The first message I taught was his first love. Letting you know that God's first love is being our father. This is his first love. The second message we taught was men need love. And that was a Father's Day message. Just letting people know, trying to start a conversation and getting people to understand that men need love first and foremost. And the reason why, because we are expected to love our wives. We are expected to love our children. We are expected to build community, run households. But when you look into the life of men, you peer into their situations, into their circumstances, we see no love. And a lot of time we are, we, are, we are blamed for the abuse. We are blamed for abandoning families. We are blamed for what we don't do. But no one looks at the man and says, who poured love into that man? Who showed that man how to be a wife, how to be a husband, how to love a wife? Who showed that man that? And so that's a conversation that needs to be had. So on today, we're going to continue along that line of, I am so loved. Understanding that the Father loves you. Say it with me, I am so loved. Do y'all mean that? Say it with some energy. That's right, that's right. You are so loved. You don't even understand. Is that I have not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the mind the things he has prepared for those he loved. You have no idea how much he loves you. He so loved you that he gave his son. How many of y'all would give your son, give your child for people to show them how much you love them? How many of you would sacrifice your child to show someone that you love them? I ain't got it in me. Good thing I'm not God. So we're going to come from, we're going to, did I do that? Okay. So the title of our message today is charity. Is charity. Now I'm going to come from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the whole chapter. Now, the thing I want you to understand about this chapter is this. This is Paul teaching the Corinthian church how to love. Y'all hear me? Teaching the Corinthian church how to love one another. He's teaching the Corinthian church how to love one another. This is not about how, how to love God. This is how to love one another. And he uses himself as the example. 1 Corinthians Chapter 13, verse 1 says, I got to get warmed up. Still stuck in prayer mode. It says, now this is Paul. Paul says, if I, he didn't say if you, he said, if I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, 
I am nothing. Verse 3 says, and if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Meaning, I have no heavenly reward. So now, Paul was talking to the Corinthians church because the Corinthians church was strong in the area of gifts, but they were weak in the area of love. So he told them, he said, yeah, you can speak with tongues. Yeah, you can prophesy. You know all mysteries. You have the gift of knowledge. You give. That's fine. He said, but without love, it profits you nothing. God doesn't even see it. Now, it's strong when he tells you that if you burned your body, if you gave your body to be burned, but you didn't have love, it was all for nothing. That's a strong statement. Verse, verse 4 says, says, love is patient. Love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Now, he's teaching them how to love one another. He's teaching them how to detect when there is no love. So he's letting them know when you lose patience, you lost love. When you, lost, when you lose the ability to, become, to be kind to one another, you lost love. When you're operating in jealousy, he says, you've lost love. When you're bragging and being arrogant, he's saying that is a direct indication that there is what? No love. He said, love does not act unbecomingly, which means it's not inappropriate. It says it does not seek its own. It is not provoked. Does not take account into a, it does not take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Now, this is Paul telling them how to love one another. He said, love bears all things. If you love me, I can't be unbearable to you. The moment I become unbearable to you is an indication to you that there's no love there. He said, the moment that you lose faith in me, there's an indication that there's no love there. The moment you lose hope, there's an indication that there's what? No love there. I'm going somewhere. Verse 8 says, love never fails. Now, he's talking about the love between us. He's not talking about us loving God. He's not talking about us loving ourselves. He's talking about the love from one to another. He says, but if there are gifts of prophecy, they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. So he's saying all those gifts that you guys have, they're good, but eventually they're going to cease. They're going to stop. 
They're not, they're, it's not a continuous thing. You don't walk around praying in tongues all day. You don't walk around prophesying all day. You don't walk around preaching all day, giving all godly knowledge all day. You don't do that. But one thing that you have to do all day long is what? Love. Now, here's where we switch it up. Paul is encouraging the children of God to love one another. The thing about it is this. We can only love as much as we understand how much God loves us. And for years, I've heard these very scriptures preached, taught. And we throw that around all the time. Oh, we, we identify when, no one, when someone does not have love. It's easy to do. Why Paul just showed us how to do that. But the thing that we never look at in this scripture, that if, if God expects us to do it, if he expects us to love one another, then we first have to what? Be taught how to love. We have to know that the Father loves us first. So Paul isn't just writing, he didn't just write those scriptures to let them know you should love one another. He's also letting them know this is how the Father feels about you. 1 John 4 and 10 says, In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So what is he saying? This is love. Love is not you loving God. Love is you first realizing, recognizing, understanding that he loves you. The scriptures are, double, are a double-edged sword. God is not telling you to love and not showing you love. That's why he said in verse 11, he said, Beloved, if God so loved us, if he so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So the expectation to love others is solely based on the love that the Father has shown us first. You have to get a hold of this love thing. You have to understand how much he loves you. I'm, I'm telling you, I am going to teach this to death. I'm going to talk about this to death. Because when you look at society, the whole issue with society is that they don't know the Father loves them. There is a decline in church attendance. Why? Because we want to talk more about what God does to your sins. Then we want to talk more. Then we want to talk about how much he loves you. Not here. Not here. You, if you're going to walk in your purpose, if you're going to walk in your destiny, you're going to have to know how much he loves you. Because it's frightening some of the stuff he asks us to do. There's no way I'm standing up here. There's no way. I'm starting a ministry, answering a call, and I not know that he loves me enough to provide. You need to know that in starting a family. 
You need to know that in pursuing a career. Because what we think right now in society is that it is our job to love God. But how is that? How can we love him if we don't know how much he loves us? Watch this. This is why it's called charity. It's called charity because it was given to you freely. And because it was given to you freely, you're supposed to freely give it away. 1 John 4, 16. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. We have come to what? Know. That word no is not intellectually. It's not base knowledge. It's not reading that God loves me and just being able to remember it. It's not intellectual. This is a divine revelation that you walk in. That when you make decisions, you know this. When you look at your bank account and you see that there's not enough you know by divine revelation that, oh, he's going to take care of it. It's when you get a diagnose, a diagnose from the doctor, you're not second guessing if he's going to heal you. You know that he loves you. It's when you go for a promotion, you don't have to second guess if he wants to see your advancement. Because what? You have a divine revelation that he is my father and he wants what is what? Best for me. He loves me. So it says we have come to know and have believed. So we don't just have a divine revelation. This is a faith that we walk in. God is love. One who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So the more that you understand that he loves you, you become one with him. You abide in him. You remain. You're able, you're able to tolerate yourself. I know many people who, may, who sin one time, and it takes a, a year to forget himself. Why? You don't know how much God loves you. I know many people who will make a mistake and quit coming to church, fall into sin, and stop praying. Why is that? They, didn't, they don't know how much God loves them. They don't know him as a father. But the scripture says what? We have come to know and believe this. It's not something someone told us. Ephesians 5 1 says this. It says, Be imitators of God as his beloved children. Ephesians 5 and 1 says, Be imitators of God as his beloved children. What does that mean? He does not expect you to do give anything to anyone else without first getting it from him. Be 
imitators of me as my beloved children, as the children I love. Be an imitator of me. Do what I do. Copy what I teach you. It is never the responsibility of a child to love the parent. More than a parent loves the child. You have to see God as your father. Now, what I'm going to do this time is, we're going to go back through the same scriptures we just went through in Corinthians, but what we're going to do is this time we're going to apply those scriptures from God towards us. Y'all ready? Now, let's apply this to the Father. 1 Corinthians 13 and 1. Now, imagine this. If God was saying this to you, because this is what I want you to do. I want you to start reading the Bible through the lenses of God being your father. That's what good teaching does. Good teaching changes the way that you read the scripture. Verse 1, if I speak with tongues of men or of angels but do not love, I have become a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. Now, who is saying this to you? The father. He said, if I speak in tongues, it don't matter... If I speak in tongues of angels of men, but I do not have love, I have become a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. Verse 2, if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Now, so what does the father say? Even though I gave my only begotten son, if I don't show you love, it was nothing. Even though I can heal, I can move mountains, I can create the world, I can make the atmosphere shift and do whatever I wanted to do. But if I don't have love towards you, it is what? Nothing. It's nothing. He would never expect us to be something, do something that he has first set the example for. It don't matter that I parted the Red Sea and let the children of Israel through. If I'm not showing you love today, that was nothing. What you going to do with that? What you going to do with the fact that Jeremiah was in battle, prayed, and made the sun stop? What has that got to do with you? Absolutely nothing. You, you don't care about that. You need to be loved. And so he's letting us know that. It don't matter that if you read the scriptures of my mighty works and my mighty wonders, how the lepers were healed, that don't matter if you don't know how much I love you. It's worthless because you can't even have faith in it. That's why the Bible says God is love. He's not trying to love. He's not working on love. He's not looking at you and adjusting to you and seeing if you're tolerable enough to love. He's not intolerable. He said, look, I love you regardless. The Bible said that he so loved the world. Now, you got to understand this. He so loved the world that he gave his son. He didn't so love those that were good. The world is, are the systems that oppose him. He said, I had agape love, unconditional love for the world. So much that I gave my son. The Bible says while we were yet in sin, he showed us love. 
So if we were in sin and he showed us love, why is it that now when we fall in sin, we think he stopped loving us? Somebody been teaching the wrong stuff. Verse 4 says, this is how I want you to read this. It says love is patient, right? But God is love, right? God is what? Your father, right? So we're going to read the scripture like this. My father is patient. My father is kind. My father is not jealous. My father does not brag and he is not arrogant. He does not act unbecomingly. He does not seek his own. He is not provoked. He does not take into account a wrong suffered. <laughs> he does not rejoice in my unrighteousness. So he's not waiting for me to sin so he can send me to hell. How do we know that? Because the Bible says that we are to love and not rejoice in unrighteousness. So if I'm to, if I have to love, then surely he put that on his shoulders. It's the same thing with forgiving. Peter comes to Jesus and says, how often should I forgive my brother in a day? Seven times? Jesus said, no, seven times 77. That's like 540 times in a day. So now, if I have to forgive you 540 times in a day for offending me, what is his standard? What is his standard? If I have to be patient with Kirby, then doesn't the father have to be patient with me? See, you got to get this. You got to get it in your heart. You got to get it in your mind. It has to become who you are. The Bible says God is love. Now watch this. This word love is a noun, meaning it's a person, place, or a thing. God is love. It's not an act. Now, if he, when he displays love, it's the word agapoa. He is agape, but he expresses agapoa. So he's not asking us to love people. He's asking us to be love. He's not asking us to, to try to tolerate people. He's telling us to be love and tolerate people. Once again, if he expects that from me, then he's going to do it too. Where are we at? Verse 6. My father does not rejoice in unrighteousness. My father, but my father rejoices in truth. My father bears all things. Y'all with me? My father believes all things. He hopes all things and he endures all things. What does that mean? He never gives up on me. We give up on ourselves. We look at our weaknesses. How many of y'all know, how many of y'all think God's stupid? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Nobody raised their hand. Do you know when God made the covenant with man, he knew our condition? 
he wasn't caught off guard. He wasn't caught off guard. He knew our condition before he created the covenant. Matter of fact, that was the purpose for creating a covenant, to change the condition of man. He's not up there in heaven like, I'm so shocked that they're doing this. No, the whole purpose of him giving his son was so he could love us out of the condition. Verse 8, my father never fails. It says, but if there are gifts of prophecy, that will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will all be done away. So watch this. God is sovereign. He's sovereign. Sovereign means he's self-governed, meaning nobody tells him what to do. Nobody gives him advice. He's all-seeing. He has all power. He has all knowledge. He's sovereign. So the decision to become your father was his. Nobody harassed him into this. The decision to forgive was his. The decision to love was what? It was his decision. <laughs> Nobody rolled up on God and told him, you need to love more, bro. This is his decision. Why do we have a hard time accepting that? Ask yourself that question. Why do we have a hard time accepting the fact that he loves us? Through our situations, through our circumstances. I have kids. I have five kids. And like I told you, if God can stop loving his kids because of their indiscretions, because of their discrepancies, then so can I. If that's the case, then we can close this Bible and do what we want to do. Because it's false. It's fake. It's no good. Verse 9. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. Paul says, when I was a child... I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I did away with childish things. Let me explain this to you. Verse 9 says, for we know in part, meaning our knowledge is partial. Even the knowledge that he's given us is partial. Our prophesying, although he gave it to us, is partial. Verse 10 says, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. In this lifetime, you will never get a clear understanding of how much he loves you. Right now, everything is partial. 
Now, we have enough information to understand that he loves us unconditionally, but it's still partial with this type of love. You're going to have to grow into understanding how much he loves you. That's why he said in verse 11, he said, when, when I was a child, that word child is the word nepios, which means infant. When you are born again, you become an infant. Now that you are an infant in God, you need to grow and understand your father. The first place that we need, the first thing that we need to understand is this. He's my father and he loves me. Because this is the issue with, with everyone's Christian walk. It's how you speak, how you think, and how you reason. Paul said, when I was an infant in Christ, I spoke a certain way. Why did I speak that way? Because of what I thought about God. What I knew about God. My encounters in life. He said, I thought a certain way, and I reasoned a certain way. This is the Christian life. This is the area that we grow in. Those are the areas of growth. How you speak, how you think, and how you reason. What do you think of yourself? What do you think of others? What do you say about yourself? What do you say about others? How do you reason? How do you judge yourself? And how do you judge others? These are the places of growth. Paul said, when I became a man, meaning when I matured, I put all these things away. Verse 12, he says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I would know fully just as I also have been known, fully known. So right now, God fully knows you, but you don't fully know him. He says face to face, it'll become a time, not on this planet, where you'll be face-to-face -face with the Father. And then and only then will you be able to discern how much he really loves you. Then will you understand his will and you will understand his purpose. But I want to bring you to the beginning of the scripture where it says, for now we see in a mirror dimly. And this is deep because back in the day they didn't have glass. So the mirror was metal. They seen themselves on metal. And he said that was dimly. You ever look into metal? How well can you see your reflection? Not well at all. What is he letting you know? You don't even know you. He said now we see in the mirror dimly. So the mirror is not only metal and not glass where you can see yourself precisely, but it's metal and it's dim. Verse 13 says, but now faith, hope, love abide in these three. But the greatest of these is what? Love. 
The only way that you can abide in the love of the Father is first you have to know how much he loves you. I have about two or three more messages in which I will bring and I will, because I have to prove it to you. And let me say this. Christianity is not an intellectual walk. So you can't see something and say, oh, okay, God loves me. He's my father. And then carry your life out like that. It's not about intellectualizing something. It's about soul absorption. I can show you 1,500 scriptures in the Bible about being patient. When I'm done showing you, will you be patient? No. Your soul needs to absorb it. You need to hear it over and over and over and over again till you become it. We try to intellectualize stuff. We say, oh, I know that. Oh, I know that. It don't matter what you know. It matters how you living. It matters how you talking. What matters is how you think. What matters is how you reason. Do you talk yourself into sin or out of sin? That's deep. Do you talk yourself into fasting or out of fasting? Do you talk yourself into prayer or out of prayer? Do you find every reason why you can't do it? Your reasoning shows your maturity. Do you think prayer is important? Don't answer. If you do it, that's the answer. <laughs> do you think fasting is important? It don't matter if you think it is, you have to do it. Doing it shows that you think that way. All right. Hosea 14 and 4. It says, I will heal their apostasy. I will love them freely. My anger has turned away from them. Now, what I want you to see in this scripture is what? I will love them what? freely meaning what it don't cost you nothing I'm not charging you for this I will love them freely for my anger has what turned away from them I'm not mad at you the Bible says what sin does abound what abounds grace what that means is this the, when the father sees your sin life, now I know you've been told the more you sin, the more he separates himself from you, but that ain't true. The problem is, the issue is this, the more you sin, you separate yourself. Because you have been taught that. That sin makes the father not want to talk to you. Well, that's kind of crazy because when he found you, you was in sin. <laughs> Last scripture. Jesus sent the disciples on a mission and he told them to heal the sick to raise the dead to cleanse the lepers and to cast out demons and he said freely you received freely you give now if that concept is with healing the sick if that concept works with raising the dead with cleansing lepers, with casting out demons, then surely it works in love. That's why it's called charity. 
That's why it's called charity. Freely it has been given to you. Why? So you can give it back. Freely it has been given to you. Why? So you can give it back. And so he wants you to freely receive the love. And that's what I really, really, really want to pound into your, your mind. You have to freely receive the love. It is not something you earned. The moment you became born again, you were right with him. Get you and say, you know what? You're unlovable. Now, we say that about some people. But not him. Let us bow our heads.